here with me tonight. It'll be Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Don't forget to, or actually Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And don't forget to pray for me this weekend. I'm, I'm leaving uh, tomorrow to go to Massachusetts, and we'll be having meetings all weekend. So pray for me and pray for the people that'll be there, that they understand the gospel and understand God's focus and understand this great truth that he's given us and he's given us to share it. You know, we, we, we say that we're to keep the faith, but that not to ourselves. Right. We're to share the faith. And that is what we preach when we preach the gospel. We're preaching the faith. And so that's what we preach. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That means both of them. Grace and faith. They're both the gift. We didn't have either one. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This is why God forbids that our boast be in anything other than the cross. Because a boast in anything other than the cross is a boast in something we're doing. Works. And it's not tolerated by the Lord. For we are His workmanship. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The name of this message tonight is God's workmanship, and that's what we are. We are His workpiece. We are the clay on the potter's wheel, if you will. We are the ones being shapen and molded into the image of His Son, not Him. He's not changing. We're changing. And know this very important truth tonight that it's not the old man that's being made conformed. It's not the old man because the Lord won't pour his new wine into an old skin. It's not the old man that's being conformed. He was killed, crucified, buried, and gotten rid of. So what's being conformed in this process of God saying that he is the workman over this he, we are His workmanship. What's being conformed is that saved soul and that new and alive spirit of which both make up the new man. Amen! It's not the old man that's being conformed and that leaves nothing else but your saved soul and your new Spirit that is alive. Because together that saved soul now, you no longer have a lost soul. You have a saved soul. Amen. Amen. And you no longer have a dead spirit, but a new spirit that's alive. And together that saved soul and that new spirit that is alive now because of righteousness, the Bible says in Romans 8, make up the new man. And because the soul is where it's, it's where the mind and the emotions and the will are seated, and that's what's being conformed. Can I get a witness? We sang it tonight. Conform my mind, my will. That, that's my soul, my soul. But it's a saved soul now. It's no longer law. It couldn't be, it couldn't be conformed. 
conformed. It had to be, it, it, it was lost. Now, I ha- let me say it again, that we don't hear this very much, but it's just the way it is. I have a saved soul, and I have a new and alive spirit. Together, intrinsically, they make me who I am as the new creation in Christ Jesus. So it's my saved soul part of me that's being conformed to the image of Christ, made conformable to what? His death. You see, it takes the death of Christ, even for me now, my saved soul, to deny self, to deny that old fleshly self that I'm still trapped in this body with its lusts. But I must always let God work on me. I'm his workmanship. I can't fix me. I can't grow me. I can't mature me. I can't save me. I can't fix me. It takes the Lord. He he is the workman. Amen? Amen. Let's look at a familiar scripture if we could tonight. Psalms 127 verse 1 we know it very well. I'm sure you do. Psalms 127 in verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Now, there are laborers. We are laborers, right? But there's only one that builds the house. We are watchmen, are we not? But there is only one that keeps the city. If we are to be found laboring, co-laboring properly with the Lord, then we've got to be looking to Him as the pattern. If I'm not, I'm just building on my own out here, doing my own thing. And I build, you build, we co-labor because our labor comes from the builder. He's the builder. He's the workman. We're his workmanship. He saved me. It's he who builds the church, is it not? I'll build my church, didn't Jesus say? And when he's building his church, when he's allowed to build his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we are co-laborers, and we're also watchmen, but for us to be able to watch correctly, we must know the, the way of the keeper of the city. We must know how he keeps the city. Because if we don't know how he keeps the city, then, I, then we, we won't see things properly. Right. There's only one builder. We're co-builders. There's only one keeper of the city, and we are watchmen alongside the keeper. We can't watch if we're not looking at the keeper. And we can't build if we're not looking at the builder. I'm going to say it again. You can't build if you're not looking at the builder. Because it's not just a building process. He is what we're being built into. 
And what we're watching for and what we're watching is what he is keeping. He is keeping his people gathered around the sacrifice where he works, where he builds, where he keeps his people. Every time in the Old Testament when Israel would wander away from the sacrificial ways of God, they would get themselves in a massive boatload of trouble. It is no different today. This is the reason God left the sin nature there. Dormant though it be, if we're trusting in the sacrifice, revived and destructive if we don't. We, we've learned that over the last many years, learning this truth of Calvary, that if we, if we start trusting in something else that's not the sacrifice of Christ, the sin nature revives, it's destructive, we get ourselves, I said, let me say that again, we get ourselves in big trouble. We say things we don't really should be saying. We do things we really shouldn't be doing. We'll even start feeling ways we shouldn't be feeling. But we got to keep looking at the builder and looking at the keeper so he can keep building us and he can keep keeping me. Amen. And then I can watch properly. I can watch properly. So he is the workman. He is, we are his workmanship. Now, where is that that scripture? I don't even think, yeah, here it is. I have it in my notes. So let's look at Philippians now, just a little journey through the scriptures tonight. Philippians chapter 2, another powerful scripture that you all know. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let's stop there and talk about that for a minute because we're talking about us being God's workmanship. And we're talking about here we see that we're called on to work out, the Bible says, our own salvation. So this means... It's our salvation, the fruit of our salvation, the fruit of us being saved. We're talking about Christians learning to live as Christians. We're talking about saved people learning to live saved. We're talking about sanctified people. When you were born again, you were sanctified. You're talking about sanctified people learning to possess their vessel in sanctification. You're learning to... All this is about one thing, experiencing and expressing Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not about we're doing this and y'all are doing that and we got this. Everything, if it's right and it is our salvation being worked out, it will be with fear and trembling and that is not fun. It will be with fear and trembling if it's your salvation being worked out. It will be with fear and trembling. Because, but I mean, we, you know, you you know, it's not a walk through the tip, tip. What do I say? The tiptoe through the tulips of holiness. No, salvation, salvation is what Christ did for us. But it's it, but it's what we're supposed to be experiencing and working out, working out. 
Our own. Our own. I'm not working your salvation out. You can't work mine out. It won't work. God is the workman. And we have to work out our own salvation. It's uh, I can't work my kids' salvation. They can't work mine. My pa- I can't. I have to work my own salvation out. It says work out, out. That means out. That means express. Work out. Live. Express. What 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 are we living? What are we expressing? Or are we actually growing? We some of us, many of us, all of us will through what we're going through now, we will grow in all of this if we continue to work out our own salvation. Amen. Amen. But it's going to be with fear and trembling. When you, when you choose to deny yourself, take up the cross, when you choose the way of the cross as God's answer and you're all excited about it like we've been for a long time, there's going to be times where it, it's more than just a joyous truth that yeah I know the truth I know how to live in victory now that the experience of that is not fun it is working out your own salvation what it costs for your salvation is really what's being worked in you let me say that again what it costs for your salvation is being worked in you and that is what has to be being worked out of you we'll see it in the word tonight Amen. We're going to see it in the Word tonight. What was worked for our salvation is what is being worked in us. And let me tell you something. What was worked for our salvation was fun for no one. It was suffering beyond what we'll ever know. But that is what is being worked into us. If that's not what is being worked into us, we cannot work out of it unto our salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Watch now. Because it is God which works in you. Both. He's working both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's the one that has to give us the will to do it and the to-do to do it. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit. i got to say it again. It takes the Holy Spirit. It took the Holy Spirit to make me understand and know that I was lost. It took the Holy Spirit to to let me see that there was an answer I could trust in. It took the Holy Spirit when I believe that. It took Him. It was Him that took me and immersed me into the very person, the death of Jesus. He's the one who did it. It took the Holy Spirit for Jesus to die on the cross. Hebrews 9.14 says He did what He did at Calvary through the eternal Spirit. There's never been a move of God that was not a move of the Holy Spirit, even every miracle that Jesus worked. Even Him being humble and obedient unto the death on the cross took the Holy Spirit. Nothing God does is without the Holy Spirit. You have been given the Holy Spirit. He is there for you. But what He is doing, He is working in you both to will 
what God's good pleasure is and to do that which God's good pleasure is. And He's not pleased with anything. God is not pleased with anything except His one and only begotten Son. That's all He's pleased with. That's why He had to take us and immerse us into Him so we could be, He could be pleased with us. But the only reason He's pleased with me is because I'm in the one He's pleased with. He's the only one. We're not saved because Jesus kept the whole law perfectly. He had to do that. But the Bible says the righteousness of God was manifest without the law. Amen. Through, the, through the, the righteousness of the faith of Christ. It takes the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you something in the Word. I've been telling you. I've been, I've been sharing it with you because the Lord's given it to me. You, you, I can't move away from it. It's not time. I don't know how long it'll be. We might be here for a long time. As long as it takes. I think about chastity all the time. I think about, I think about this, and I won't get it exactly right. But years ago when we were on Main Street, she was going to a church in New Boston and, 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 and she heard about our church so she started coming on Wednesday night so she wouldn't have to drive all that far at night. And, and you know, the Lord doing what he did, before you know it, she was showing up on Sunday morning. But I'll never forget when you told me one time it took you about three years, is that right? Two and a half years for the light to come on. She said, she's told me so many times. I knew there was something there and it was right, but I, I just wasn't. And that's the way it is, this revelation of the cross. Yes. You know it's right. I knew it was right when I told the Lord, okay, but how am I going to preach the cross the rest of my life? Two and a half years. No, I don't know how long it was for me. It was... It was a long time I was listening and still not getting it. But if your heart's desperate, God's going to give it to you. Amen. If your heart is desperate, not just desperate for anything, but desperate to please Him. Yeah. To live honorable before Him according to what this book says. Yes. He will give it to you. So notice this. What, what God is working in us is the will and the to-do of His good pleasure. And there's only, again, there's only one thing that He's pleased with, and it's impossible to please Him without faith. Yes. Hebrews eleven six. If you If you rightly divide the Word, you'll see that it's impossible to please Him without the faith of Jesus Christ. Because that's the faith that justified us. The faith of Christ is what justified us. That's what Paul told Peter in Galatians 2. You can find it in Romans 3. It's the faith of Jesus. What He did by grace through faith that saved us, that justified us. It was already paid for. He did it by grace through faith. And it was just put on the table for you and I. I said, if you'll yield to that, I'll save you. All you got to do is believe it. Amen. Amen. So, but the, the result of the Holy Spirit, what, what, and I'm going to show you in the Word, that along with this 
to will and to do of His good pleasure, there's something He's working in us that is required for our, to, for our will and our to-do to be right. I told you already what it was. We're going to see it in the Word, though. What Jesus did at Calvary, such a, a great salvation, but a great price was paid. A horrible, horrible, beyond our imagination, suffering. The Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. That's our Savior. It wasn't like the pictures portray it with a nail, you know. And, and, and I mean, it, it says, the Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. They beat him with a cat of nine tails that ripped his meat off till you could see his bones. Right. Suffering for you and me so that we could be the children of God. Yeah. But that work that took place there, that saving grace that was being poured out through him tasting death for us, that is what God is working into us. Yes. That salvation, that death. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and please don't dare think that what we're reading here was something that was only for the Apostle Paul. Because it's not. This clearly uses words like us and we. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I pray that this would light a fire in your heart tonight because you just, you just have to see this. You, you have to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. For we which live, that's us, amen, we're alive in Christ. We're no longer dead. For we which live are always, somebody say always, always. delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why is that? So that what Jesus did in his death will benefit us and it won't have been in vain. I want the benefits. I don't want to just sing the song, I, holiness is what I need, right? I don't want to, my whole life just sing songs. I want to be in the experience of righteousness and holiness. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Stop right there again. Why? Another answer is because it's the only place your faith works. Listen to me tonight. It's the only place you're going to find Christ. Where else would you find Him? Other than in some vain imagination. Where else would you find Christ other than where the Bible says the Holy Spirit is going to deliver you always unto? Where else can Christ be found other than a vain imagination? You and I, the Bible says, we do not know Christ after the flesh. That's in your Bibles. Everybody, who, who knows that? We do not know Christ after the flesh. That is Scripture. Then how do we know Him? Well, you can't sit around and just have imaginational thoughts. About, I mean, it's okay to do that, but that's not where you're going to find Him. 
people sitting around just imagining, and it's okay to do this because we were given imaginations by the Lord and we're told stories about what Jesus did. And when we read them, we're all going to see in different ways, but we're going to see the beauty of what Jesus, who he was and what he did. How he healed everybody that came to him. How he raised people from the dead. How he forgave sins and told people, you know, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. Those stories are there for us to read and acknowledge as He represented our Heavenly Father to us and at the cross He would represent us to our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. But you, you, you don't, we don't know Jesus after the flesh. You don't know Him after the flesh. And there's no object for your faith in Him after His flesh. Except what he did on the cross in his flesh. Yes. Only there. Watch. For we which live are always, that means always, delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. The life of Jesus cannot be manifest in and through our lives if we are not beholding the Lamb. Being nice and sweet. And I've been thinking about this. I want you to listen to this. The Lord's been showing me this little example. If you lived in a neighborhood and you're a Christian, and, and you, I mean, you're, 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 you're a Christian and your family's a Christian family and the people that live right in front of you right there, 50 foot away across the street, 100 foot maybe, they're, they're Mormons. The ones that live right there, your backyard's connect, they're Jehovah's Witness. Your neighbor over here, he's a Buddhist. This neighbor over here, he's an Islamist. He's a Muslim. And they all serve somebody different than the one you're serving. You're the only one that has the Spirit of God dwelling in you. But they're just as nice as you are. They take care of the hungry and feed the poor more than you do. And claim their God is doing that through them. They're as happy as you act. They got more money than you got. To line you up for a photo, you look like you're all the same, although you're not. What you've got that they don't have is the Spirit of God, but they can't see that. What you've got is this right here. The Word of the Lord. And now y'all will all get along until you start talking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified being the only way to heaven. And if you're a Christian living in that same house and they all move out and the other Christians fill them houses up around you and you tell them... The Lord doesn't work in your life outside of your hearts yielded to the cross of Christ. Then you're going to have problems again in your neighborhood. Even though you're all Christians. But when you start telling them that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in your life, 
unless your heart is yielded to the sacrifice. Not talking about, well, of course we believe the cross. I'm talking about, are you seeing what the Holy Spirit's delivering you unto? He's delivering you unto death so that Jesus can be seen. He can't be seen in me and through me except through my faith in His death. This is the importance of all these churches being raised up, focused on the cross, and God ain't through. He's going to raise up more. If He tarries, He's going to raise up more. He's going to raise up more and more and more men and women, boys and girls, who are determined not to move from this truth no matter who gets their feelings hurt, no matter who gets mad, no matter who comes and who goes, we're going to still stand on this. Not going to treat anybody ugly, but we're going to stand on this. We're going to stand on it till we get to heaven. We're standing on this. We're not moving away from where the Holy Spirit shows us Always. And it don't say he shows it to us. It says he delivers us unto it. And if we're not looking at it, if we're not accepting this designed and appointed place of our union with Christ being in his death, we are going to live miserable lives. That is our appointed, designed, and designated place of being in union with Jesus is in his death. No other place. No other place. He always, del- always, del- when, when something don't go my way, you know the Holy Spirit is delivering me unto death. Because what's needed in that situation is the, the expression of Jesus. There's nothing good in my flesh. Romans 7, and Jesus said in John 6, the flesh profits nothing, so the only thing I have that can profit me in any situation is my Savior being expressed in that situation. There ain't nothing good in this flesh. And if it ain't Jesus, that's what it is. The flesh profits nothing. That's why the Holy Spirit turns us over, delivers us unto death for Jesus' sake. So, Because He's the one the world needs, not me. He's the one the world needs to see, hear about. Amen. Watch now. Let's read this again. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. This this is what's for Jesus' sake. That His life, the life also of Jesus, might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's the purpose Jesus died. To save us and to manifest Himself through these mortal fleshly bodies. Paul said it another way in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I'm alive, but wait a minute. It ain't me no more. It's Jesus living in me. And the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who did what by that faith? He loved me and He gave Himself for me. Watch this now. Verse 12. So then, death works in us. But life in you. Death works in me, but life in you. 
Our ministry can't be the ministry of the new covenant of the spirit of righteousness if death is not working in us. How can life work because of us? Death has to be. Death is what God told you already. What Jesus did at Calvary. The death he died is what God is working into us so we can work out our own what? Salvation. He's working. It takes the death of Jesus to get our will and our to-do going. Amen. It takes the power of the whole, not just the power of the Holy Spirit in some something. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit who gets all the power he uses that he is to us through the death of Jesus. Jesus said when he comes, the spirit of truth, the comforter comes, he's going to show you that which is of mine. Everything that's his is, comes through the cross. Everything that's His comes through the cross. The cross is where the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, became heir of all things. Hallelujah. The name exalted above every name. That's where we have to look. That's where we have to look. If we're not looking to Calvary, we're resisting what the Holy Spirit is delivering us unto. I'm just preaching the Bible to you tonight. If we're not accepting this place where this world, it's not about me, it's not my home, it's not about me making a name for myself here, it's not about me getting my way, it's about one thing and one thing only, it's about me expressing Christ, but it's an impossibility if I'm not allowing that death to work in me. And it's not just the death of Jesus God is working in me, it's my death with Him. You see, we died with Him. Most Christians will live miserably all of their life and have throughout the ages because they never have understood that second part of that double cure where they got saved and they make it to heaven, but all their life they never knew, they, they never heard, they, obviously they never wanted to because God will find that miserable person He did it for Paul. He's done it for countless others. Mm -hmm. Tears don't move him, but an admittance of how wretched we are and a desire to please him. He's got to show us the cross because that's all that pleases him. We say, oh, I just want to please you. And he shows us Calvary. Oh, I just want to please you. Oh, I just want to please you. Well, look to Calvary. I, I just want, I don't need the cross. I just want to please you. You're never going to please him unless you're accepting the place you're being delivered to. Yeah. Never. We'll spend our whole lives trying to please our Heavenly Father and our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, by the flesh, through the flesh. Death works in us, but life in you. You see, you want to help your neighbor? You want to help your family? You want to help your community? Let the death of Jesus work in you. You know what that really is saying? Get out the way. We in the way. It's got to be Jesus, and He can't be expressed. Where the heart's not touching Calvary. 
All this stuff about, well, of course we believe in the cross. Them nuts down there in that little metal building by the dollar store, I don't know what's wrong with them. All they want to do is talk about the cross because that's all the Holy Spirit's talking about. That's all He's pointing to. And if you accept it, He'll be able to deliver you unto it and Jesus can be manifest, but He won't be manifest without the cross in your heart. And we know it's not just because we were saved because of what we read in Galatians and Revelation 3. Amen. That we can have the Spirit of God, but Jesus, and it's His Spirit, His Spirit that we have, He can be outside knocking to get in. There's only one answer for that because they won't accept their designed. The place that God has designed for us to be every, always to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrificial life. Living the crucified life. The flesh don't like that. Some make it, some, some won't ever accept it. Some make it a year. Some make it five years. Some make it ten years. I'm going to tell you this. When you move away from a cross preaching church, your flesh is said, enough! Yep. Enough! Now they'll blame this and they'll blame that and they'll have all this stuff going on, but it's because it's enough! It's enough! It's enough! The flesh will rule you without doubt if you stop looking to Calvary. I ain't talking about saying, y'all still believe in the cross. No, no. you got to accept your designated, assigned place, which is your union with Christ in His death. That's what faith for a Christian means. You're already, you already have been saved by grace through faith. You've been given the measure of faith. And if that faith is being exercised, it's being exercised where the Holy Spirit is delivering you unto. That's what true faith is for a Christian, is to exercise that faith in what the Holy Spirit's delivering you to so that Christ, by that measure of faith, can be manifest in these mortal bodies. That's what this move of God's about. That's what this move of God's been about for 20-something years. That's, it, it's been God's desire for 2,000 years. And little light comes on here in this little time period. Then a little light comes on later. But, but, me, but the devil and our old stinking lustful flesh will let something get us and this or that and little tiddly things and we'll start all this stuff. And really what's behind it all is trying to get me to look away from where God has designated me to stay planted. Amen. Everything is just an excuse. To look away. Amen. It's kind of like the devil roaring as a lion. <clears throat> Everything that's of the devil is just him saying, Here I am. Here I am. Nightclubs, filthy magazines, all kind of garbage on TV. Here I am. You're looking for something other than. Here I am. We're going to preach the message. We're going to believe the message. Amen. We're going to walk in the path of truth. Yeah. And it's going to be with much, much. You, 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 think, you think it's tough. You better get ready. Because if you're going to bear the cross... Jesus wouldn't even brought it up if it wasn't going to be a problem. 
some of your foes going to be in your own house. If you're going to deny yourself, you're going to face some issues. And some of them are going to be tough. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And you'll be called all kind of names, accused of all kind of things, but you'll still be carrying that cross, boasting in that cross. God forbids we boast in anything other than the one thing he's always delivering us unto and that's the death of Jesus because there we get moved out of the way and Christ gets to live through this whole thing here. Amen. Amen. Y'all all right tonight? You should go home and look at these scriptures. You should go, don't let the devil lie to you. They're for us today. They're for us right now. They're for us right now. This is for us right now. We need this right now. Because if we're not still drawing our power from the Holy Spirit, and you're not because you say you are, I'm not because I know I need to or because I say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. That don't bring him. That don't move him. What moves him in our life is when we allow him to move us to our designated place of union with Christ in his death. We're talking about true Christianity. I know, I know you don't hear things like this, which proves this is just how far the church is away from where we need to be. But on my watch, on my watch, on your watch, we're going to keep beholding the keeper of the city. In our few little short years that we've got to be on this earth, we're going to be gone in a vapor. It'll all be over. Your great-grandkids, they won't even remember you, don't even want to look at pictures about you. Well, that wasn't nice, Brother Curtis. It's reality. You're here now. For what? To express Christ now. We're not perfect. We're far from it. We don't get everything right. We'll mess up. But we know what the message is. We know where the faith exists. We know you ain't going to see Jesus if you're not seeing him where the Holy Spirit's delivering you always. Everything else is a vain imagination. A vain imagination. I could prove that if you're taking notes. Hebrews 2 9, Hebrews 12 2. One of them says, But we see Jesus. Where do we see him? A little lower than the angels, crowned with honor and glory for the suffering of death. Hebrews 12 and 2. What does it say? Looking unto Jesus. What does it say? The author and finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. If you're going to see Jesus, you're going to be looking at what you're being delivered to or you're going to have a vain imagination. 
a cartoon picture or maybe of a brown Jew with brown hair and brown eyes and oh I just love me some Jesus I'm not being funny and I'm not being ugly I'm telling you where the church is today I'm, and, I, and listen, I'm not talking about when you see Jesus, you looking at some bloody, gory mess hanging on the tree. Right. He did that and he was that for us. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's delivering us unto the death of Jesus because it's in his death is where God stamped his holiness and righteousness on him. He crowned him with his glory and honor there because he was a perfect man being perfectly humble, perfectly obedient, and here it is right here. Peter wrote it, totally committing himself to the one who judges righteously. Yes. Peter wrote that. He didn't revile back. He didn't threaten back. But he trusted the one. He committed himself to the one who judges righteously. That is what we're being made conformable to. But it takes that death. Remember, we saw it. Death is working in us. You won't know what God's working in you so, you so you can get your to do and your will going. It's the death of Jesus. It's got to be that because if it's not that, how can we work out our own salvation because our salvation is in that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all stand with me tonight. I better go ahead and stop here.